Well, I'm so glad you guys are here today. And last week was incredible. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. I hope you got to be there with us. Um, uh, what an amazing day. Like you've already heard, 129 people were baptized, which is the most that uh, we've ever as a bridge baptized in a single day. And uh, it was also, I talked to the guys at uh, Typhoon, Texas, it's the most that they've ever had baptized in a single day. I didn't even realize they'd had other uh, churches that had baptized people. They said, oh yeah, but nothing like what the bridge has done. And uh, so it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, you can clap for all that. And then, you know, we stayed there uh, and had a good time the rest of the day. And, and uh, I remember at one point uh, during the afternoon, we'd been down the Lazy River a few times. And my son Landon looked at me and said, Dad, when you became a pastor, did you ever envision a day where you would be half naked in front of your congregation? <laughs> I said, no. And now that you mention that, I'm very insecure about it. You know, so... Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a good time. We had a great time. And you know, what's cool about, as you've been hearing today, what's cool about the 129 people that were baptized, just all the stories that go with all of those people that were baptized. And, and it's, it's always cool to, to have records and, and those kinds of things. But when you understand some of the backstory and some of the even side stories that were going on. It really, that, that is the most important part of the day. And I, you've been hearing some of the stories. Um, I want to share with you a few of the, uh, the side stories and some of the back stories with uh, some of the people that were baptized. Um, and what it really points to, uh, it's a couple of things that these stories really point to. Number one is that every story, there's always a story behind every story. That every story that comes in, there's always another story. So each of you that walk in here today, there's a story that's going on in your life, but there's all, all kinds of stories that are going on around your life. There are people, there are opportunities, there are circumstances that God uses along the way to draw you to himself, to, to teach you, to help you grow in your faith. There are all these things that God is doing even now to prepare you for the things that are coming in your future. And it, it, it also points to the second simple truth, and that is that God is always at work. He's always at work, even in the times that we wonder if he's actually doing anything. And we wonder, you know, God, why are you so silent? I'm, I'm praying, I'm asking you to do things or whatever, and you just seem silent. And I just want you to understand that even when God seems silent, it does not mean that he is still. It doesn't mean that he is absent. It doesn't mean that he is indifferent God is always working. He's always orchestrating things behind the scenes that you may not see. And you may not ever know. But he's working and moving and getting people and places and opportunities in place all for your benefit. He is always at work. He is relentless in his pursuit of you. So just understand that. And as you look at some of these stories, I think some of that will even be clear as we go through some of these. I'm just going to share some of the things with you. A guy named, uh, one of the guys that was baptized, a guy named Jose Perez. And here's, here's what Jose had written in his story. Uh, My life before Jesus was different and wrong in a sense that I was selfish. I do admit my perspectives have changed uh, ever since I allowed Jesus in my life. I truly never believed in anything and found it illogical that such stories could be true until I decided to investigate the validity and evidence of what the Bible said. 
I remember emailing Pastor Kenny, and Kenny Dean is our campus pastor at the Regal Theater. I remember emailing Pastor Kenny and asking uh, if we could meet. He bought my lunch and listened to my questions. At the end of the lunch, I asked, even though I'm an atheist, is it okay that I keep coming? And he said in one word, absolutely. It did, make, it did take me a while because I had unanswered questions and things I still wasn't sure about. But every time I went to the bridge, I felt like it was a good thing I was there. I had a feeling that I was doing something positive and good. And then one Sunday, I realized this was bigger than me and decided to seek a relationship with Jesus. I surrendered everything to him and he has changed me. And he wrote this, he said, to Jesus, I would say, thank you for your love and compassion. And to my friends and family, I would say, I don't expect you to understand, but I pray one day you will. See, Jose, his parents are atheists and they raised him as an atheist. And right now they're not speaking to him because of his decision to follow Jesus. And so when he writes that someday I pray that they will understand, that's a little bit of the backstory as to what he means by that. You know, I look at his, a story like Jose's, and there are many others like this as well, and it reminds me of a, a passage in the book of Acts in the New Testament, Acts chapter 17, and verses 26 and 27, here's what it says. From one man, he, talking about God, made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times and history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. See, it reminds me that from the beginning of time, God knew that there was a guy named Jose who would live close to a theater named Regal Theater that would one day have the campus of a, of a church called The Bridge. And he would be drawn to this place and he would hear the message of love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ and it would change his life forever. God knew that, and God had been working, and God had been planting. And even when we planted a church there almost six years ago, God knew why we were doing that. And Jose was on God's heart when we planted that church there six years ago. See, God is always at work. There's always a side story, a backstory to what's happening in people's lives. Michael Johnson and his son Blake is another story, and and and. And Michael wrote this as a follow-up email to last weekend. And here's what he said in his follow-up. He said, where do I begin? January 2018, the divorce is final and separate residents are established. I can't sleep very well for worrying about the effect this will have on my kids, Nick and Blake. My failure, their struggle to understand love, life, God. I felt like a ship dead in the water, not knowing which direction to turn concerning their spiritual well-being because I certainly didn't feel qualified to lead them to know Christ. Just get them to church, I thought. I can at least do that on the Sundays I'm off and maybe their mother would agree to it even when it's not my weekend. Now I needed to, to select a church, our old church, no, there's too many faces there that would recognize the hurt. Lakewood. Big church, kind of get lost in the crowd. So it's March 2018, and I'm running late to get Nick and Blake for our first Sunday service together at Lakewood. I pick them up around 10 a.m. and drive towards the Grand Parkway. 
Blake's not too happy about visiting some other church. Nick and I are trying to convince him that Lakewood's a pretty cool church. At this point, we're on the feeder and we see flags outside the Regal Theater flapping in the wind that say the bridge. I say, okay, guys, I believe this is a church. How cool is that? A church and a theater. Let's check it out. And if we don't like it, we can see a movie afterwards and get some popcorn. <laughs> they agreed. And he said, we came and have never looked back. Sometimes I make it to the bridge on just three hours of sleep. On those days, all I think is just get them and get there. Just get them and get there. Two weeks ago, we were leaving, and Blake said, Dad, I want to be baptized. I thought I heard him right, but I said, say that again, son. I want to be baptized. He said, I must admit that it was more incredible than I could, could have ever imagined. He said, I'm starting to sleep better, worry less, feel like less of a failure, and more hopeful. Which, why would we be surprised by that? Because that's exactly what Jesus promised us. In the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Everybody that's, that's weary from this world, from trying to do all the things that this world demands from us, and they are carrying all these heavy burdens. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about what this divorce is going to do to them. I'm worried about their spiritual well-being. I'm not sleeping. Jesus says, come to me. Just get them and get them here. And let me work. And they give their life to Christ. And they get baptized. And their dad gets to baptize them. Come to me. If you got burdens. And I'll give you rest. And it's rest for your soul. I'll give you a sense of peace in your heart as to the things that I'm doing and how I'm changing your life. Just get them and get them there. What a great phrase, just get them and get them there. I wonder how many people's lives have been changed because someone had that mindset. I'm just going to get my friends and get them there. I, 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 don't, I can't answer all their questions. I don't even know how to talk about Jesus with them. But if I can just get them and get them to the bridge and somebody else can talk about it, maybe God can work. Jake Woods is a student in our student ministry. He and his family began attending the bridge uh, this past fall, and they've been regular attenders ever since. And uh, though his parents have, have had a relationship with Christ for years, and they've raised Jake and his siblings in a, in a Christian home where they talk about God and, and, and Christ, Jake has always struggled, had always struggled just to to believe in God and to, and, to, and to see that God was real and to just struggle with the whole concept of faith. And <clears throat> this past February, Jake plays high school baseball, and this past February, um, during it was, it was a weekend where our student ministry has one of their annual events. It's a huge event called Takeover Weekend. Jake had a baseball tournament that weekend that he was going to miss the Takeover Weekend, but at the last minute, the baseball tournament was canceled because of weather. And so he got to come to a portion of the weekend. And on that Saturday evening during their worship time, <clears throat> Jake came to a realization that Jesus was not only real, but that he died for him and that he wanted a relationship with him. And at that time, Jake surrendered his heart and life over to Jesus Christ. 
and he was baptized by his dad last Sunday. And Jake went from being this uh, kid that wasn't even sure if Jesus was real to now inviting his entire baseball team to come to his baptism at Typhoon, Texas. I mean, it was a great example of seizing a moment and saying, okay, the tickets are only $10. We can pay for those. Let's get the whole baseball team. They can go see me baptized and then we can spend the day at Typhoon, Texas. He seized on a moment. And it kind of reminds me what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verse 17, he said, whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. That those who are believers in Christ, things change. And not only did it change in a moment, but it continues to change. That God has continued to transform your life. You're a brand new person. And he goes on in verses 19 and 20 and says, God was bringing the world back to himself through Christ. He did not hold people's sins against them. God has trusted us with the message that people may be brought back to him. So we are Christ's official messengers. It's as if God were making his appeal through us. So he's saying, listen, you've gone from being a person that didn't know Christ and now being a brand new creation in Christ. And not only that, is God has entrusted you with the message, this, this message, the greatest message the world's ever heard. And you are the official messenger to take that message to your friends, to your baseball team. Just get them and get them there. And I won't be surprised if some of those boys at some point won't place their faith in Jesus Christ as well. An incredible story, incredible side story of what God is doing and how he's working and continuing to work. And this last story is, it's the life of a couple that um, God has been working in their, their life a long time. And I can tell you that God is nowhere close to being done with this couple. Uh, Leland and Deanie Jacobson uh, were baptized and I had the privilege of baptizing them. And, and Deanie, her story is that she grew up going to church. Her, her parents took her to church. And at some point along the way, when she was a young girl, the, her parents, and, and she, I guess as well, kind of began to view church as more like a chore and less like something they really wanted to do. And so they stopped going for the most part. And as she grew on up, uh, she eventually got married to a guy named Leland who was raised Jewish. And they got married and they had two children, Lauren and Nathan. But their marriage was anything but a happy and satisfied marriage. And Leland, in his own admission, would say that he had gotten to the place where he spent less and less time at home because things just were not going well. And Deanie writes that on <clears throat> their marriage is on the brink of a divorce. And battling with the thought of, should I get a divorce or not? The only thing that she knew to do was just try to go to church. She, she didn't have a church to go to. She hadn't gone since she was younger. But she, she thought, if, if I can just go to church, maybe I can know if this is the right thing to do or whatever. And so she looks up and she finds a church called The Bridge. And she tells her Jewish husband, Leland, I'm taking the kids tomorrow to a church called The Bridge. And he said, I'll go with you. Much to her surprise. And she's like, okay. That's going to be weird. And so they show up here at the bridge and both scared to death, way outside of their comfort zone. 
and they come walking up to the front doors and the first people they see are their neighbors that they didn't know go to the bridge. Their neighbors welcomed them with big hugs, gave them a guided tour around the place and introduced them to all kinds of people. And Leland said his first memories, the first, or his memories that first day, was how nice everyone was and how good the band was. Like, yeah, they are good. And Deanie said that she remembered, the thing that she remembered about that first day was, was the message and how it seemed like I was talking directly to her, like she was the only person in the room. And the message was about things that we allow to harden our hearts. And she left here wondering and, 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 and believing that her heart had become hard toward her marriage. And she was willing to give it a second look because of that day. And when she left, she decided she was going to come back the next week and was going to bring her kids back. And Leland said, I'll go with you. Again, to her surprise, because she thought it would be a one Sunday and done for him. And that turned into them becoming regular attenders. And a few months later, as they joined a small group and got more involved, Leland reached a place where he surrendered his heart to Jesus Christ as a Savior. And he told his dad about this on his dad's deathbed. And his dad looked at him and said, I'm glad for you. I can see that it's changed your life, and I'm happy for you. So things were going well. I mean, they both they recommitted themselves to the marriage. Their, their marriage was stronger than it ever had been. Their faith was growing like they never dreamed it would, it would grow. And then at the age of 39, Deanie became pregnant again. How'd that happen, right? And she gave birth to a little boy named Luke. And things just could not get any better than they were. Until May 3rd, 2012. And due to a very tragic accident, Luke died. And Leland took a lot of the blame for that. And he was loaded down with a bunch of guilt. And those became some very, very dark moments. And you know, th something like that, um, even the strongest marriages, they, they struggle to survive something like that, much less a marriage that just a few months earlier was on the brink of a divorce. But during those days, their small group rallied around them and supported them in such an unbelievable and amazing way. Their small group leader, um, his mom was dying of cancer and was basically on her deathbed, and he chose to spend a lot of that time away from her and with them, supporting them because of what they were going through. And the, their support and their encouragement, along with continuing to stay plugged in here at the bridge, it helped them walk through some, this really, really incredibly dark time. And this is, this is what uh, Deanie writes in her story. She says, um, I was hurt, brokenhearted, lost, and even angry at God. 
I had long heated talks with God where I would even yell at him and then pray for his comfort. I still do this today. Grief is such a repetitive cycle. Why would you do this to Luke, to Leland, to me? We were living life right, following Jesus. Why, why, why? The next year was a blur full of whys. I don't even know how I got out of bed, how I cared for my kids, functioned, or even went to work. I truly believe that God carried me through those days. The only thing I had was hope. Faith brings hope. And hope was that I will see my baby again. Hope is what keeps me going. That promise that God will give us eternal life for those who believe he died for us. And that hope means I will see Luke again, and that will be a glorious day. It's easier now to look back on that time and know God put the bridge, our small group, our neighbors in our lives before Luke died. If we did not have that foundation in our lives before May 3rd, I'm not sure where I'd be today. My walk with Christ began years ago, but it was so easy to push this outward show of faith to another day, maybe ashamed of sharing my story or maybe even holding back this little piece of myself, this last piece of my heart, like saying, nah, I'm not ready to give you all of me yet. My grief has an anger component to it at times, like I'm still angry deep down that God let Luke die that day. God knows me so well. He just keeps pursuing my heart. He just won't give up. A few years ago, I went to the volunteer training night and listened to Joel Owens, who is our family pastor, listen to him teach. I was just there to learn the ins and outs of the kids' check-in process. And after listening to Joel teach about Moses and how God chose him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and how God chooses the most unlikely people to do the most extraordinary things, I left there being the new fourth grade small group leader. How funny. Here I am still grieving, questioning my purpose, and God is just working away. That year was a little tough, and I didn't really think children or youth ministry was for me. I mean, I'm broken. I'm not perfect. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't even know that I'm a good role model. I was ready to call it quits, and I went to another training night and curse you, Joel Owens. You did it again. I walked out saying, I can do this, right? I can do all things through Christ. Jump forward to the next year. My small group girls are now sixth graders, and it's takeover weekend. That's the weekend I referenced a while ago. I think I was probably more nervous than the girls were, but wow, just wow, what an amazing weekend of worship. I was so overwhelmed by the love of Jesus during worship. I left that weekend on a Jesus high. Jesus has lived in my heart for a long time, but it's time I show the rest of the world. There's an amazing song called Scars. The song is about being thankful for your scars. Cause my brokenness brought me to you and these wounds are a story you'll use. So I'm thankful for the scars, because without them, I wouldn't know your heart. The hardest thing for me is to be thankful for my scars. My scars are deep and have changed who I am. I'm not the same person I was before. I am changed. I am forgiven. I am chosen. I am loved. And I'm a child of God. After Takeover Weekend, I decided it was time to let Jesus use my scars to tell his story. Takeover's theme this weekend was, so will I. So will I get baptized. So will I let Jesus use my scars to tell his story of grace, hope, and love. So will I 
continue to let Jesus lead the way. For Leland, Lauren, and Nathan, thank you for walking into the bridge with me nine years ago. You are my heart. And Leland added, to Jesus, I would like to say thank you for paying my, for my sins on the cross. Please continue to help mold me into, the, into to being more like you. Kiss my son Luke for me and tell him I love him and miss him so much. To my friends and family, I'd like to say to my wife, Deanie, and my kids, Lauren and Nathan, I love you so, so incredibly much. You have all showed me so much grace through it all. I know I will never be perfect, but I love you all and would do anything for you. To all the bridge staff, you've been so incredibly kind to me and my family. I can't ever thank you enough for all that you've done for us. And to anyone who isn't plugged into a small group, please really consider it again, even if it's out of your comfort zone. Our couple small group and my men's small group have been such a huge blessing in some of the hardest times in my life. The love and compassion that they've shown me has truly been so Christ-like. It's amazing. You see, I think about their story and I think about how, and I've watched them and walked with them through this time. And I think about how both Leland and Deanie have witnessed the truth and the fulfillment of what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, when he says this, we are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything, everything, not, not just the good things in life, but even the worst things in life, that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. They've witnessed that played out in their life, that God can take even the worst moments. That he wasn't the author of those moments, but he can take those moments and he can use them for our good and for his glory if we just trust him. And God has done an amazing thing in their life. He's not even close to being finished with them. And that was such a privilege for me to be able to baptize them last Sunday. There's a lady named Jane Williams. Paul and Jane have been in our church for longer than I've been here. In fact, Jane was part of the, the search team that, that found me and asked me to come be their pastor uh, 20-something years ago. And Jane was my assistant for the first five years that I was here. And she came up to me and she said this to different people that were there last Sunday, but she came up and she just kept saying the same thing over and over again. She kept saying, may we never get over this. May we never get over this. May we never get over what we've seen and the lives that have been changed, the families that have been restored, the relationships that have been healed. May we never get over what we've seen. And it's so easy to look at something and go, oh, yeah, that was great. That was cool. Oh, wow, yeah, 129 people. Oh, in the wave pool. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, okay, good. And just gloss over how huge how huge the day was, but how huge that moment was in so many people's lives and all of the stories that are being written and rewritten all around each of those person's lives. The psalmist said this in Psalm 103, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. 
He fills my life with good things. That's what God offers to every single one of us. And if you're here and you're a Christ follower and you've never been baptized, oh man, I encourage you to do that. You say, what's so big about being baptized? And maybe you would say, I was baptized as an infant. Why do I need to be baptized again? Well, what the scripture just talks about is that as believers, that there's a choice that we make in following him, that we can choose to be baptized and publicly acknowledge our relationship with him. And that's really what baptism is. It's saying in a very public way, I've given my heart away to someone else. It's like me wearing this wedding ring. The reason I wear this wedding ring is not so that, you know, Trina can make sure she's got something on me, you know. I got him tied down, you know, or whatever. If I take this wedding ring off, I'm still married. And she will tell you that, all right? All this ring does, it just shows people that I've given my heart to somebody. And that's what baptism does. Baptism is just a way for us to publicly show I've given my heart to someone else. I've given my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And so if you've never done that, we would love to to be a part of that. We'd love for you to do that. And you can let us know that, the handout you got when you came in. There's a communication card on there. You can fill that out and check that you'd like to be baptized, and we'll get in touch with you. You can drop them in those red boxes when you leave. We'll get in touch with you. And the good thing is we don't have to go back to Typhoon, Texas. We, we have the ability to baptize here every week. So we can do that anytime, all right? Um, but, uh, but we would love to be a part of that with you. And, you know, we talk about here a good bit um, just what God is doing in the life of our church. And, and if this is your first time to ever visit the bridge or, or, or you've just been coming for a short period of time, what I, what I really want you to know about who we are is that we're just a bunch of imperfect people. But we've been brought together by a perfect God. And we've been brought together so that we can tell everybody that we can come in contact with that God loves you, that Jesus died for you, that your sins can be forgiven, that there's a home in heaven that he's provided for you, that his grace is sufficient for you, and that in Christ, your best days are in front of you. See, see, you don't become a Christ follower just so that you can go to heaven when you die, even though that's a huge part of it. But, but as a Christ follower, what, what, what Jesus offers is just a better way to live life, that he wants to give you the most abundant life that you can ever experience. And I truly believe that that's the case. And so we just sit back and we say, that's who we are. There's nothing magical about it. We're just, we're just trying to, to love God as best we can, knowing that we've got a lot of work left to do in our own personal lives, but that God loves you and has a plan for your life. It's, it's, it's one of the reasons I never... Uh, am ashamed to encourage you to give financially to the bridge. See, those of you who give, you play a huge role in all of those people that got baptized last week. All of those lives that have been changed, those of you who give to the bridge on a consistent basis, and you give a percentage of your income, and you do that consistently, you, you not only did you play a huge role in the event happening, which was outside the box and it cost a little money and all those kinds of things, but you play, even more important than that, 
you play a huge role in the ministries of the bridge. And the ministries of the bridge, what had an impact in a lot of those people's lives and influence and, and then coming to Christ. And when you give, you support those ministries. And I'll never be ashamed to ask you to give. I give. I give a percentage of my income. I, 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 we, I have done that ever since I was a kid. You know, I don't, uh, I don't rob banks. I don't beat my wife. And I tithe. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 it's just what we do, okay? I, and, and, and I don't do it. I don't give that, you know, 10% plus more to the bridge because of some obligation. Like, like I'm going to get in trouble by God if I don't. I do it because, number one, God has asked me to, and he's done so much in my life. Why would I ever balk at that? But I see what he's doing. And I see the lives that are being changed and the stories that are being rewritten. Man, I, I don't know of a better investment I can make in, in life. I, I don't know of a better return on my money than the lives that are being changed because of giving to the church. And so I'm never going to be ashamed to ask you to give. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to give above 10%. I, I think it's the best place you can do it, that you can give to. But it's also why we started a second campus almost six years ago. None of us knew what we were doing. We just felt like that's something that God wanted us to do, and so we did it. And I think about all the lives that have been changed around the Regal campus and the lives that have been changed around here, around this campus, because we were just willing to say, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. And it's why I'm so excited about us launching a third campus next year. And if you've not heard that, we're planning to launch a third campus of the bridge in Fulcher. Um, and it'll be, the launch will be... Uh, uh, it'll be on Easter next year, 2020, April 12, 2020. We're calling our 2020 vision. Um, but, but we just believe that there are people there in the Fulcher area, just like around the Regal area and just like around this area, that are just hoping that someone will come along and share the greatest message that's ever been communicated to mankind. That God loves you and Jesus died for you and has a plan for your life. In fact, in, when I, in the scripture, the book of Colossians, it's in the New Testament. Here's what it says in chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will always have the right response for everyone. And that's what we want to do. That's what we want to do. And you know what? If you're a Christ follower, I, I would just ask you to pray how would God want you to be involved at the bridge? How would he want you to be involved in the, in the launch of an, another campus? You say, I don't even live in Fulcher. Well, I expect that that's probably the case. I mean, even though I think we'd be worth the drive, I doubt you drove that far to be here today. I expect you probably don't live around Fulcher. But there are many ways that you can be involved. Right now, I just, wanted you, I just want you to pray just over the next few weeks and months. How can I be involved? Because see, if you're a Christ follower, God used people and circumstances and opportunities to reach you. You don't even know all the ones that were used. 
But God brought all kinds of things around you to influence you and move you in a direction that you would receive Jesus as your Savior. And so I would just ask you to pray, God, how can I be involved in reaching the next me? There's another me out there somewhere that needs, that you want to work through people and circumstances and opportunities. How can I be involved in reaching the next me? Just pray. That's all I'm asking you to do. Now, I'll be asking you to do other things later, but right now, I'm just asking you to pray. God is doing amazing things in the bridge, through the bridge, in our community. And I'm glad you're a part of it. I'm glad you give. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you invite your friends. Keep inviting. I'm so thankful for you. And I'm so thankful the way God is using you to impact this community. Let me pray for us, okay? God, thank you so much just, um, just for using a group of imperfect people, for using an imperfect pastor. Um, God, I pray that you would help us to never forget what it means for a life to be changed, what it means for a family to be put back together, a marriage to be restored, what it means to know that the people who were baptized last week, not only is their story different today and their relationships different, but there are people that are going to be in heaven someday because of the decision to follow Jesus. And God, I pray that that never gets old for us. I pray that every single time that a person makes that decision, that it is such a huge celebration that we never look at that and go, oh, it's just another day. But God, we look at it and we see all that it cost you and we see all that it means for their life and the relationships in their life. God, thank you for allowing us to be a part of something so incredible. We don't deserve it. And we're grateful for your grace. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.